But first today to a big shake-up in India's education system that'll see Deakin University become the first university in the world, yes, you heard right, to open an international teaching campus in that country. India's reversed a long-standing ban preventing foreign universities from establishing teaching campuses in the country. Wollongong Uni is expected to follow soon in offering study opportunities to local students. Anthony Albanese announced this breakthrough last month during his big visit, also outlining a mechanism that will allow both India and Australia to recognise each other's degrees more easily. What are the rewards, what are the risks of being a foreign institution setting up in this complex society of India? We're joined by Dr Bridget Freeman, who's in India as a visiting professor with the National Institute of Educational Planning and Administration. She's normally at the University of Melbourne. Also on the line is Dr Vidya Yeradevka, the Pro-Chancellor of the Symbiosis International University. She's played a significant role in implementing India's landmark National Education Policy 2020. And she joins us from Pune. Welcome to Saturday Extra. Good morning. Vidya, I wonder if you could outline why this announcement is such a groundbreaking development for India, please? First of all, the national education policy that came out in 2020, right in the midst of COVID, uh, was a game changer itself. After 34 years, uh, you know, we saw a new education policy. The second was the huge emphasis on internationalization of higher education, uh, a subject which is very close to my heart. And I've been involved in a lot of discussions and deliberations while the draft was being prepared for the NEP 2020. And therefore, I think a lot of things that have fallen out of this national education policy are, of course, one, the dual degrees and the joint degrees that we could discuss a little later. Mm. But I think most importantly was branch campuses, uh, foreign university campuses on the Indian soil. I think uh, this was a long-standing effort by the earlier political government, uh, which did not see its way. And uh, now I think with the Modi government, uh, you know, really trying to push hard to bring in quality education across Indian institutions. I personally feel and I'm a proponent of internationalization of higher education. And therefore, I think it is really going to be a game changer on the Indian ecosystem to have foreign universities right here. Um, And I think uh, that's a great announcement. And I'm very happy that Australia was the first country to put its foot through Deakin uh, on the uh, soil of India. And I think that's something that will always be etched in the Indian higher education uh, history, you know. It's got a bit lost in everything, but it's a very significant development for Deakin. And I think Wollongong University is also going to be going there. Look, how much unmet demand is there for higher education in India? And will the international branch campuses really make quite a dent in that unmet demand? Oh, yes, of course. India has a young population, you know, an aspirational population. There are students who want to go abroad in seek of uh, good education, quality education. This doesn't mean Indian education doesn't impart quality education. We do have some great universities. But even then, you know, the world over, you know that global mobility is not just about getting degrees from a foreign shore, but also to do much more and many more things across borders. And I think the presence of Deakin and then, of course, Wollongong is going to be significant because there is a good talent pool in India which may not afford to travel all the way, you know, to Australia and get degrees from there. And therefore, you know, if they get degrees from here, it will be great. 
it is also win-win for both. I think it's not just about uh, how beneficial it is going to be for Indian students, but I also foresee uh, mobility both ways. I think Australia also needs a lot of global mobility for its students because I don't see many Australian students on the Indian soil. Well, let me put that to Bridget. Will there be, in your view? I certainly agree with Dr Vidya in terms of the importance of the national education policy and India's opening up to internationalisation efforts in a number of different respects and the opportunities for international branch campuses are certainly one manifestation of that policy shift in India. And that is quite a remarkable shift that has been building over the last decade or so. In the first instance, the internationalisation shift involves both opportunities to address unmet demand in India, recognising that the growth targets for Indian higher education are massive, and also recognising shift towards uh, international research collaborations Mm. and other opportunities for both inbound and outbound mobility. Certainly Indian higher education institutions, the Government of Australia and Australian universities have discussed a need to grow the number of students enrolled with Australian universities that go to India for various different opportunities. That includes work integrated learning or internships, study abroad and study exchanges. And Dr Vijay mentioned the developments with the joint degrees, and that is a very major transformational shift for India as a result of NEP 2020 that should see increased opportunities for outbound mobility of students enrolled with Australian universities for undergraduate and postgraduate coursework. It is interesting to realise that Deakin and Wollongong universities, important but not major Australian institutions, I think you could argue, not like the Sandstones, the elite G8, they end up being at the front of the queue to open campuses in India, Bridget. Does that surprise you? I think it makes a lot of sense that Deakin University is the first foreign university to seek approval to establish an international branch campus in Gujarat. That makes a lot of sense to me. Deakin has a very long-standing presence in India and it has a long-standing investment here. And the government of India are interested in foreign universities investing in higher education in India. What we know from the research literature around international research collaborations and international branch campuses is two things. The first is that elite universities will join for international research collaborations. So we have group of eight universities leading the charge for joint PhD academies and Mm. joint PhD programs with elite Indian higher education institutions that until now have sat outside the regulatory framework for foreign involvement. So the Indian Institute of Science, the old Indian Institutes of Technology have well established joint PhD academies and programs with elite Australian universities. International branch campuses are somewhat different. It is typically not tier one universities that operate 
international branch campuses. It is typically Tier 2 and in, indeed Tier 3. Right. So international branch campuses focus on undergraduate and postgraduate coursework programs. And that's very different from these joint PhD academies that focus on elite PhD opportunities. So do do, do they not make money? I mean, are there risks, I suppose, in setting up these full branch campuses? It's very well recognised that setting up international branch campuses is a high-risk initiative. Uh, Dare I ask why? If you could distill, please. What's the risk? Yes, Dr Vidya, do. Yeah. Richard very rightly said that literature does show that it is the tier two universities that go out and set up their campuses because a Yale and a Stanford would not come to India, even if, you know, the U.S. universities would come in. I think the first and foremost thing is we are all looking at what would be the fees that will be charged by Deakin. See, because they have to be affordable, right? This is the most important uh, aspect of uh, deciding the sustainability of any campus because these institutions are self-financed. You know, they've already spent a lot on teachers that they will bring in, faculty that they will bring in from Australia, maybe a few good faculty from India or from across the world. But nevertheless, the revenues do come from student fees. So I think everybody in India is watching what Deacon is going to charge or maybe at a later stage when Bolongong comes in, what are they going to charge? Because, you know, every Indian parent uh, here, I don't know the culture in Australia, but at least for undergraduate education, unlike the U.S., in India, these are all self-financed by parents. You don't have a loan scheme at any point? You, do, you know, like We do have a loan scheme, but that generally comes in at the postgraduate level where ah. students do come as self-funded students because they've already have some work experience or eligible to get loans. If Deacon wants to really, you know, be sustainable here, then the fees will also have to be competitive because finally an Indian student is going to compare Deacon or Wollongong with another good Indian university. Mm. And therefore, if the fees are you know, humongously high, then one would, wouldn't would afford it. Or if they can afford it, then they would. The first preference, see, for the first preference for any student to go is to go to a university in that host country. Right. First preference would always be Deakin Australia. It's the second preference that is Deakin India for those who can't afford. The obvious question is how much will Deakin set up and Wollongong to that extent affect the existing Indian private institutions? I think there are 10 that are called aided institutions and there's something like 500 unaided institutions, which I presume is all parental money. So there's quite a bit at stake for them too, isn't there? Yes, it is. I mean, today also in India, you know, the 78% of higher education is in the private sector in the sense they're privately funded or self-financed institutions. And where the fees are not very low, they are still high. For example, symbiosis, the fees are on the higher side, but then there is a return on investment. So, you know, if you invest in a good educational institution or university, then, of course, the placements are very good because your companies come on campus, students get jobs, and therefore parents do look at the whole life cycle of how much do I invest and what is the return on investment. The second is the popularity of the programs. So, again, you know, that niche which is there already in India and other good institutions How are they going to place that, uh, you know, against some good institutions in India? So that's, again, something that Indian um, parents will watch. My final question was was to Dr Vidya. And in terms of what kinds of degrees and courses you think will be offered in foreign universities based in India, Dr Vidya, any particular fields that you think might be a focus? I mean, would you say the Indian government and the private sector have preferences that they want to see played out? 
if you look at it from the students perspective and from the from the government perspective you know uh, i think the stem disciplines are something that we would be happy if australian universities bring in it's not really hardcore engineering but um, you know pure sciences courses and uh, you know maybe it's mathematics or the science streams because that's something that we really other than the indian institute of science education research or indian institute of science in bangalore and you know we don't have really very good undergraduate science programs mm. and i think that's something that we would welcome because there is a huge industry that requires science graduates the popular courses that indian students enjoy are you know undergraduate business management programs and you know liberal arts more on the humanities side so that's why i said you know deakin will have to definitely weigh the pros and cons mm. of course they are right now in gift city which is focused on finance related programs so i don't know whether they can really offer anything which is non finance otherwise australian universities to look at you know setting up campuses here uh, they should look at what are the popular programs and what does indian government require mm-hmm. see one thing that we also are looking forward to as a, i mean i would say as a, a university leader here somewhere we would like the the joint phds like the iitb monash which is not a really a monash campus here but a very successful collaboration between the iit bombay and um, the monash university these kind of programs would probably be a uh, more useful to already existing good quality higher education institutions in the country. Uh, look, uh, Dr. Bridget Freeman and Dr. Vidya Yeravdekar, thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you. Thanks, Bridget. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Vidya. Thank you, Geraldine. Dr. Bridget Freeman uh, from India's Institute of Educational Planning and Administration and Dr. Vidya Yeravdekar from uh, the Global Outreach of Higher Education. Well, up next, some predictions about the future economy we'll live with. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.